Hello, this is Martin McKay from the Network Security Podcast. And this is Christian Riley from the Eurotrash Security Podcast. You're listening to the official podcast for the 24th Annual FIRST Conference. This will be held in Malta on June 17th through June 22nd of 2012. For more information about FIRST, please visit www.first.org. And now we join our interview in progress. This is Martin, and today we're talking with Wes Young, who is a security engineer at Ren Isaac, and his talk at the first conference is going to be shared data. Here's how we did it. Wes, first of all, let's talk about yourself. What is a security engineer, and what is Ren Isaac? Well, a security engineer is that generic term for guy who does security and wears a bunch of hats. Uh, on any given day, I'm a lobbyist um, down in Washington, and I'm a guy who writes code. Uh, a guy who fixes servers when we need to fix servers, and a guy that helps uh, integrate intelligence into the academic community. Um, so I'm sure, like a lot of your listeners, we're all kind of security something or other, and I'm no different. Uh, the Red ISAC is an organization in higher ed that represents, we'll say, all of NorthAmerican.edu. Um, we run a private trust community where uh, institutions of higher learning, research hospitals, those kinds of things, uh, can come into a trusted space and share information uh, with each other, primarily over wikis and email and things like that. Um, a lot of these were set up back in the late 90s by Clinton. There's the Water ISAC, the F Financial Services ISAC, uh, the IT ISAC, and so on. It's probably like 18 or 20. Um, and we just were the higher ed ones. And, and our primary functions are providing a trust community for people. So, you know, vetting and vouching, getting the right people into the place so that you can share, people feel comfortable sharing information. We also act as a CSERT. Uh, for .edu, and that's all of .edu, whether it's in the States or abroad. Uh, some of our members do show up in other countries that are friendly to the United States. Um, but when people send, you know, we represent ourselves as if you have something infected in .edu space anywhere in the world, we will try to track someone down. And in the U.S., that means we will go and find a phone number and get somebody on the phone no matter, you know, what we have to do. In the international space, we try where we do have uh, partnerships and contacts. Um, but it's a best kind of a best effort. And on the flip side, what we you know, the other the other part of what we do is we provide uh, information sharing services. So, but again, with that trusted space, uh, we develop tools and technologies around helping get that data that usually is locked up in emails and wikis and blogs and whatever into feeds that our institutions can download and apply to their firewalls, sensors, uh, and so forth. Um, we also provide kind of an intelligence query. Um, API so that when they when they find something in the forensics process, um, something that is worth investigating, they can look up and see you know what we saw with it, what our what our partners saw with it, maybe what other you know external third party feeds saw with it, and so forth. Um, so basically, everything security about higher ed, we try to uh, create a, a framework where institutions can come and learn from each other in a safe space, uh, address vulnerabilities to major software products that they use. Um, let them talk to each other, let them share information with each other. Uh, on, on numerous occasions, uh, since we have good relationships with external parties like law enforcement, um, governments, and other certs, uh, if people reach out with us and, and really need help with an investigation or, or finding who to send kind of this information to, you know, when they give us permission, we try to link them up with uh, the people that we have, we have a partnership with so they can go and you know, get, take, help some of the bad guys get put in jail. So that's a lot of what we do. So your your talk is actually sharing data is hard. Here's how we did it. What should people expect to be learning from this? I mean, and, and why are you saying that sharing this data is hard? 
So for the last 10 years, um, I've been doing this since about 2003, 2004. Um, uh, we had a, EDU has had a unique um, experience in security uh, because most EDUs are wide open. They allow students to come in from various populations, uh, various places around the world. They don't have firewalls because either it's against their policy or they just have too big a pipe for mm -hmm. any firewall vendor to actually uh, to work against. Uh, so by default, they've been very open, and they've had to deal with the influx of being, uh, the influx of notifications from people saying, "Hey, you know, you're spamming, blah 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 blah, or you're doing this to our networks." Um, so what spawned out of that was an open list called Unisog, and this was probably 2001, 2002, where universities started saying, "Hey, you know, because we're all under these these unique constraints, and I'm not saying they're the only ones that had these constraints, but they were a big population of people that had a unique problem. We need to share data with each other. Uh, and so they started simple mailing lists and vetting requirements and a database of simple botnet tracker kind of thing where they could track CNC IP addresses and share them with each other and then get them back into their sensors. It was really hard. And as the threats evolved, we needed to kind of lower the barrier to entry for people to be able to do that. We need to build tools around enabling them to do that because institutions, at least on the operational side, tend to be very cash-strapped, underfunded, especially on the security side. And security was kind of an afterthought for institutions. And you think back to the early 70s, 80s, and 90s when lots of institutions were connected to the Internet, they had no security staff just because they had networking people and they didn't care about security. It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't until the mid-2000s where everybody started slamming them for being such, you know, malware infested <laughs> that they really like, okay, we need to do something. You know, they hired one security guy and gave him zero money and said, Hey, go secure this massive network. That's probably larger than most enterprises in the world uh, and do it with nothing. Um, so, you know, our university where I came from was not much different. A lot of universities share that same thing. Um, they couldn't, there weren't a lot of vendor tools that allowed you to kind of share information. There weren't a lot of places to share information. So we decided, Hey, Let's make this easy for ourselves and let's go out and do this. Uh, so my, my mantra for the past five or six years in building these kinds of tools and, and these talks that have kind of come out of that are, look, at, in higher ed, we had this problem worse than most people because we're large, we're diverse, we have you know, wide open networks, and we had to share data because we didn't have a choice. Um, and because we're higher ed and the operations side of higher ed, not to be confused with the intellectual property side of higher ed, we were able to kind of develop these things in the open space, allow our institutions to use them and test them. Uh, and what we've seen in the last two years or so is that, that kind of take off as other other cash-strapped enterprises, uh, you know, C-certs, government entities, you know, whatever, start to kind of look at these tools and say, hey, we have this problem now. We need to go get a bunch of data and share it. And everybody's telling us to share it. And, you know, our lawyers are saying we should actually share it. And so when you get to that point, we were able to kind of show what we were able to do uh, over the last couple of years in our space. Now, which do you consider to be the harder part of this information sharing, the human uh, side of it, the, the personality side of it, or do you think that the tools are a bigger problem in information sharing? It's actually both. I guess that's kind of a loaded question. People suck at sharing information. Um, it's just a fact. Uh, they decide to share it over email. They like to hoard information. They don't like to free it up. Any, and, you know, and they all have their own perspective on what that information is. Uh, even we all speak English, but we all have different accents. We all speak about you know, botnet controllers, but we all have a different perception of what a botnet controller is. Um, so even when you get down to the point where we're, if we had a perfect world where we were sharing the right information with each other, um, people don't communicate very well. Um, and they don't trust each other very well. We have this, you know, the bad guys have a, a leg up against us because they 
trust each other to an extent and they share with each other and there's, you know, there's value in sharing with each other right up front. You get paid if you help the person out. In our space, it's like, well, we know we should be sharing with each other because it's good for all of us, but there's no direct benefit. So we kind of, yeah, we'll get to it when we get to it. And when we do, we'll kind of use the path of least resistance. And, and right now, you know, it's been traditionally IRC, email, wikis, you know, stuff like that, and, and generally unstructured text. The other barrier is, is that part right there, the, okay, well, what if we were all speaking the same language? Uh, my IDS doesn't understand email or wikis or freeform text. So how do I start doing translating to the IDSs, to the firewalls. It turns out there were some nice RFCs written back in 2000, mid-2000s, we'll say, uh, one for event stuff, which is IDMEF, and one for incident threat information, which is IODEF. And a lot of really smart engineers looked at this problem and really did a good job of future-proofing it, but they failed to develop tools around some of these, these specs. And some people started developing tools. The problem then was, well, these RFCs are very, very complicated. If you think of, you know, I don't know, I know some network engineers will probably hate this analogy, but you know, TCP IP was written way back in the day, but it didn't really take off as the standard till enough people, you know, critical mass understood that complex thing. Um, the same is true with security protocols. We develop all these different protocols that deal with confidence of a, a bad actor, the bad actor itself. Uh, I think the IODF RFC is you know over 30 or 40 pages long, and if you try to absorb that and build it into tools, there's no telling if anybody will actually use your tools to share that information because then again, email is just simpler. Um, so it's been kind of a, you know, we've had the cards, you know, the deck stacked against us uh, building this out. Uh, we were luck fortunate enough to have some future thinking people at Internet2, which is a, a second tier internet, uh, high speed, high capacity for research networks, help fund some of this to get off the ground. And we, you know, once we understood it and started using it, and spent you know a couple of years digesting those RFCs and trying to understand what the engineers were thinking when they built that and actually build some tools and model some things around it. We found out, wow, these guys thought about this stuff. The problem was there's just not enough tools and the industry wasn't ready for it. You almost have to wait until you get a, a new crop of people who have the time to sit down and think through some of these problems tools-wise. You know, hey, I don't like sharing information in email. Well, for engineers who are, you know, older and been around longer, that's their normal thing. They like email. It works. You know, it has, it's not 10. What we're building is probably not 10 times better than them just sitting down and pounding out an email saying, hey, this domain or this URL is bad. Uh, but for new people who use things like Facebook and Twitter and they expect these kinds of instantaneous things, they haven't had as many years in, in that email and wiki thing pounded into their head. They're used to kind of moving these, these messages in a more structured manner, um, and they're easier kind of to divine for those people. So we've kind of been waiting for the market to be ready for these kinds of tools, both to identify that they have the problem um, and the fact that there are now are tools that we've been testing for a few years that make it easy for them to do it. They don't have to understand the security protocols because we've built tools that abstract them away from the protocols. We made it so that all they have to do is tag a few items in a report and boom, the protocol is, is de developed, the systems talk to each other automatically and they don't have to learn all that stuff. Do you think your talk is directly applicable to folks in the corporate world as well as, as folks who are in the uh, educational world? Do, do you think that the other people outside of just the uh, uh, higher ed will find your talk useful? I do. I actually have given the, the, the bulk of my talks to people who are outside higher ed. The people in higher ed have heard me drone on for the past five years on, you know, we need to do this stuff. And then most of them are on board and they've heard it. You know, they hear me in the, the mailing lists and in their conferences and stuff. The bulk of the last two or three years, I've been speaking at external third parties, government, government entities, 
um, enterprise type stuff. Um, and, and the feedback I'm starting to get is, you know, it's, it tends to be some of the newer, the newer folks who are, look at, I'm in charge of getting threat intelligence. You know, let's start out with a threat intelligence problem. I'm in charge of getting that threat intelligence into my sensors to help block some of these infections and do some of this stuff because, you know, we're getting slammed by a lot of this stuff. And that's been mostly on the enterprise side. With some of the new legislation that's being pushed down um, in different entities, I mean, higher ed had to deal with things like FERPA, HIPAA, on all these other things. They had to, they were kind of forced in the last couple of years to clean up their act enterprises. Although they've had regulations, they haven't necessarily been in the cybersecurity end of things. Um, and now that they're seeing actual losses and they're able to measure some of those losses, they're starting to think, well, now I need a better strategy. I need some of this uh, intelligence put in. You know, do I go buy uh, threat intelligence from one person or do I go now, you know, over the last five years we saw an explosion in open source intelligence for free. There are lots of feed providers that give you data for free. And I've had, you know, I think in the SIF community itself, there's a, probably about 60 or so organizations now. Most are outside of higher ed who are downloading our tools, starting to use it, building services. I've had a couple of people, enterprises, smaller enterprises who can't afford their own threat intelligence kind of apparatus to download the tool, build a service off of it. Um, and it helps them not have to worry about that as much and they can focus on their customers and, and the tools they're trying to build. So. Um, absolutely. Uh, I think as, as, as enterprises grow and they're cutting costs and they're trying to find out, you know, how do I get, uh, say, threat intelligence for free? And it's not necessarily the big organizations, it's more of the smaller ones who don't have that initial, look, I've only got $2 million operating budget. Am I going to spend it on developing my own tool, buying some obscene threat intel feed when I don't have that big of a problem, don't need, you know, analysts on call 24-7? Or do I find something that's simple to install has an API, I can build it in my tool set, and there's a community starting to, you know, to butt up around it, at least to start. And it may not be the answer down the road, um, but I've had a lot, of, a lot of really interesting organizations that have popped up everywhere from the IT sector to the financial sector to the, you know, U.S. law enforcement, foreign uh, CSERT type stuff. Uh, just kind of get down and everything from building a CERT around the tool to, hey, I'm a forensics guy. And I need at least all the public intelligence I can find around malware hashes because in our forensics job, we have to go take these malware hashes and pump them into things like Encase and go look at the forensics. So to have just that feed of information ready to go of at least all the known public malware types plus our own internal feeds, we mesh them all together and boom, our forensics you know, people uh, at least have a leg up on it. We didn't have to actually buy anything or pay for anything, just installing the code. Do you have a public website where people can find out more information? Yes, uh, collectiveintel.net. Um, if I could spell it right, C O L L E C T I V I N T E L.net. It, it basically points to a Google Project uh, website that we've been using for the past couple of years. Uh, it has a list of presentations at the bottom, uh, links to the mailing list, links to the community documentation. Uh, kind of gives the gist of what we do. Well, Wes, thank you very much for your time. I'm, I'm really looking forward to your talk and uh, hearing more about this at uh, the Malta First Conference in, in June. Yeah, I'm excited to get out of my cave and go out and see some sun for once. <laughs> get, change one cave for another cave of the conference and hopefully you actually get out on the beach once in a while. Yes, sir. You've been listening to the official podcast of the 24th Annual FIRST Conference in Malta. You can find out more about FIRST at www.first.org. See you in Malta. Welcome.